Hello, and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week, we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 54 with Joseph Makos and Joseph Biebel. This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? Some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for poetry. We're in the new we're in the new spot, which is the back of the old spot. <laughs> Basically. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so we're the sun at, shining. We're at the regular it's nice. Saint Claude Studios, but we're in the back room, which yeah. means nothing to any the to listeners, anyone except for the people who've been here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it means a lot to me. I appreciate it. <laughs> so we have a uh, guest on today, uh, Christopher Roma Guerrero. Is that right? Uh, yeah, Christopher Luis from Ayeta. <laughs> is that, oh, Luis? Oh, yeah, yeah ah, name Luis, yeah. Yeah, let's take After that. After my father, my grandfather, so yeah. That's important. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's very important. Yeah. Uh, and we have and, and we have him on to talk a little bit about travel and poetry sort of in motion that way and meeting poets and uh, also a little bit about education and bringing poetry into the classroom, but... And we'll see whatever other topics we, whatever we, whatever we trot through today. I like it, rock and roll. <laughs> We've been talking a little bit, and the newest thing I just want to uh, jump right into it. You went to an educators conference recently. Uh, it was in Florida, is that right? Fairhope, Alabama. Oh, sorry, Alabama. Yeah, Fairhope. Okay, it's a Gulf Coast Association of Creative Writing Teachers. I am not a creative writing teacher, but uh, a lot of people from UNO go there. And so I actually I ended up doing a reading with a, a poet at UNO as well as one of the nonfiction professors. But they had a bunch of panels or whatnot. But it was it was a good experience. I'd never been in Alabama, much less read in Alabama. So I think it was my first out of state reading. So it was nice. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So hash that through again. It's the it's actually the the it, it, uh, the acronym is ridiculously long. It's the Gulf Coast Association of Creative Writing Teachers. So wow. G C A C W T. Okay. Yeah. Let me let me we, just we call it Fairhope for short. Like we call it Fairhope yeah. for short. Okay. <laughs> is it based in Fairhope? Is that why it was in Fairhope? Yeah. So okay. it's uh every year they've changed the college. I think this year it was in the Coastal Alabama College. They changed the college. There's a couple of small ones over in the in the city in the town. But uh yeah, every year, uh sometime or in early April they do it apparently. This is my first time going. It was, it was cool. Okay. And tell us what Because uh, as as a as a uh a once uh, professor of creative writing and teaching, uh, having taught creative writing, I've never even heard of this. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, like, do you, can, you, can you tell us more about, like, because I think our listeners, this is interesting. Tell us more, like, do you know how long it's been around and what, what's the function of it and, like, what kind of things did you do at this conference? Uh, I don't want to speak for sure how long it's been around. I know okay. UNO has been one of the main participants for the last six, seven years. Okay. They also had a lot of people from the University of South Florida in Tampa. Uh, they had some people from FSU in Tallahassee. And it, it just seemed uh, to be regional. A lot of people who are either in grad school programs like myself or people who are professors or teachers all just showing up and either doing panels or readings and kind of just sharing stuff going on predominantly in the South. You said South Florida. Yeah. Was it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, I'm trying to think, it wasn't Jeff and Courtney. Uh, no, it was... They run, a, they run a lit mag in Florida. That's why I'm wondering. What lit mag do they run? I think it's called Florida English. Well, there's oh, quite yeah, a few Florida. programs in Florida, huh? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know. I was just curious if it was. 
No, it's quite a. Oh, we got quite a few programs. We got a quite. Uh, I'm a Florida boy. I was born in Miami, so we got quite a few programs down there. We got a bunch of publications. Actually, the keynote uh, spent a lot of time in Miami. Uh, Philippe Diedrich, Haitian American, and yeah, it was it was a, it was an interesting experience because I wasn't I didn't know much about it when I first applied to read and when I got accepted and started looking through like there was a lot of Florida people so it was a weird kind of reunion for me it was interesting that's nice yeah so are the panels about more kinds of ways to to teach creative writing or is it more just uh I I think it's pretty it's a pretty loose situation I think they have going where they just kind of if you propose it and it sounds like it fits into the um, you know umbrella of creative writing of you know or universities that it they'll accept it. So they had everything from like teaching curriculum or building literary communities to one panel was writers talking about imbibing who imbibe. And I, I'm not taking credit for that one. I, I'm not. Uh, it was UNO students, but I'm not taking credit for that one. But I mean, you know, I think as long as you have cogent, you know, a cogent idea that they're 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 pretty. Uh, relax. So it probably varies a lot from year to year, just on what proposals there are. Yeah, I mean, I'm really curious to see. Uh, I mean, I'll do it again next year. I had a really good experience. So, I mean, I'm curious to see uh, what the what the next slew of panels and readers are going to bring. But it was a, so. It was, did you get to? Did, were there any that you went to that you were like, "This is really cool"? Um, I mostly went to readings because at, at this yeah. point, right now, I feel like I mean, I'm I'm going to grad school. I hear you know, panels or hear you know lectures a lot. So I'm, I was mostly just curious about like you know, exploring readings because I don't have a lot of time to do that right yeah, now yeah, in the semester. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, everything I heard being read was just great. Like, I was really impressed with all the readers. Um, you know, it was cool seeing some UNO people out of their element, you know, instead of workshopping stuff, reading finished pieces. And then it was also cool just like hearing people, what people are creating in, you know, Tampa, what people are creating in Tallahassee. You know, it was, it was, it was a really nice experience in that way. I like that. I like the, uh, the sense that you, that you so, you know, there was a bunch of different you're talking about who was represented, who was there, but did you sort of get the sense of like, I mean, is the the whole point of this is like, did you get the sense of like Gulf Coast writer community, like bringing, because you know, we have our writer, you know, you could look at this, he's like, there's a writer community in the Bywater, there's writer community in downtown New Orleans, there's writer community uptown, there's writer community in, you know, just New Orleans, you know, there's so many different like levels, strata of the writer community. Yeah. And I feel like it, here in New Orleans, I think we get a lot of like, Louisiana, just in general, like we know who the poet, you know, poet laureate or whatever. But like, did you find that there's like, it's was there people from Texas? Was there people from Alabama? Was there people from Florida? People from was it all over? Was it well represented? I would say it was mostly Florida, Gulf Coast, and then Louisiana from what I saw, and then some Alabama. Okay. Um, but it was interesting because it was like, yeah, like you know, you have last year I went to Louisiana Book Festival and you saw like a lot of Louisiana poets and you saw in there a lot of Louisiana writers and you saw it in their kind of way. This was interesting because there was a lot of writers who I don't think I would have met. You know, they're still adjuncting at their universities or working on their things. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. You know, I mean, AWP was at Tampa this year. So they were at, this, you know, where yeah. USF is. And I didn't meet any of those USF people. So it was interesting being in a smaller situation where everybody was at AWP and I, I enjoyed AWP, but like all of a sudden in this more intimate situation, I could actually have a conversation with people and you know, not be over inundated with 18 panels and yeah. people I'm never going to see again or may not see again. True. Yeah. yeah. No, I, we did, we did an episode of, a few weeks back on whale prom Yeah. and about just like the energy of that space. What, like a, 
how that space was created out of this need for something different. I think but, half, the, half the episode was people saying what they didn't like about AWP. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's fine. So it's a, it was an I guess it was an anti AWP well problem. So, but no, the, episode, yeah. but this, but this to me sounds, but this to me sounds interesting too because, like you know, as we're approaching, you know, already next week we have a, a poetry fest coming up. Yeah, and um, and. Uh, that was created sort of out, of, you know. So it's like out of this, like okay, you know, like this idea to do like a little mini conference, and um, and uh, but it's like a festival. It's not like a conference, you know. It's it's, yeah. it's a different form, and it's like a lot of performances and a lot, you know. But there's a, it's a diverse. But I'm saying, I guess I was thinking a lot about um, uh, how that creates a climate, but how like even the poetry fest here in New Orleans is drawing like so many people from out of the area, you know. Well, but I think we forget sometimes, too, that even though it's not as much as we might like, there's a lot of opportunity to go to readings in New Orleans where a lot of places where people live, there's not regular opportunities to go to readings and regular opportunities to interact with other poets and see see these things, right? You know. Yeah, maybe you're right. I mean, I think there's a little bit of element of that, and I think that the beauty of, and I mean, you know, obviously we're all you know, involved in Poetry Fest one way or the other. But, like, the beauty of the Poetry Fest is that it is, I think, very accessible to both people in New Orleans but also people outside New Orleans, whereas, you know, other literary festivals have different lenses and scopes. It seems, you know, what's been done really well by Megan and whatnot right now is that, like, you know, we really have that focus of just New Orleans and literary go. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, you know, I mean, Louisiana Book Festival is going to have its own lens. Tennessee Williams Fest is going to have its own lens. Not that either of those are wrong or bad or whatever, but, like, there is a simplicity to the poetry festival. I think we're going to attract a lot of people. I mean, I liked a lot of the panels I was looking at, you know, uh, when we had to go through that process. I thought that was great. Yeah. So this conference, all right, so, so uh, and you feel like you got, you know, you already plan on going back to this conference next year. Is it is it in the same place or? It'll be in Fairhope again, uh, unless something changes, you know, now sure. I'm going to say it. Uh, you know, <laughs> y'all are going to go back in the files next year when it's in Birmingham. But no, uh, you know, it's... Uh, Presumably it'll be in Fairhope again. It has changed campuses before. Um, but, I mean, yeah, the idea will be that it'll, you know, it'll be happening again. It'll be happening in the middle of the semester. It's just a weekend. You know, I had a really good time with it. I met good writers. So, I'm, I mean, I'd be looking forward to it. Any, anything, anything that you can add? I'm just curious if there's anything yeah. you can add about um, anything that, that you t- took from the conference. I know you said you went to a lot of readings, but... Any, uh, and, and as a student of writing right now, any, um, anything, you're, anything you're thinking about how, like, different ways different approaches to teaching creative writing that you're that you feel like maybe even something that you've experienced as a as a as a student in the program right now like uh anything that's like any new thing that you've encountered in the workshop method that you're i think comes to mind yeah since i didn't do too many panels on creative writing itself i think my biggest takeaway that was positive and that i think i knew but i didn't remember was that it's just so nice to even with people you see every week just change locations and hear new people and just write in a new place. Like, I wrote while I was in Fairhope, even though I was there for 48 hours and, you know, in a whatever hotel. Like, you know, it's just nice, like, actually changing your feel when you get into, like, a routine. So, I mean, I think it was really beneficial in that way that I was, you know, experienced new work, you know, uh, you know, I experienced new work, I met new people. I even, like, just experienced hearing people read that I've, you know, only had workshopped, you know. Yeah. And yeah, it was just, it was, it was motivational in that way. Like I've written every day and I think 
with you know more fervor since I've left that workshop, since I left that uh, conference, which is great. So you did. You you said you did a reading while you're there. Yeah. This might be a good time. Do you want to read something for us today? Uh, yeah. You know what? I can. And it's funny. I hadn't even thought about reading something. See, I got. I'm out of practice. But yeah, I can pull that out. Perfect. Yeah. So this is a poem. Uh, interesting sidebar. Um, this is actually the first thing I read when I was uh, traveling South America last year. I was down there for about eight months, and I read this piece. I actually translated it on Bevnaps into Spanish, and I read this piece <laughs> at an open mic in a bar in Bogota. Um, I only got the English one on me right now, <laughs> uh, which also may be better for the purposes of this. <laughs> but uh, well, I mean, well, yeah. we found your way. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, but yeah, like yeah, it, it's just it's always an interesting. I'm always now gonna look at this piece and laugh at like me like writing on Bevnaps and then like going up to this bar in Bogota and being like, "Excuse me, just like, you know, like, can I get seven more of those?" Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, and then you're like, you get through seven, and you're like three more. Yeah, 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 and it's like, and I, you know, you, you got to be polite. So you have to buy like a beer every one of those. Somebody, oh, of course, yeah, like you know, I'm reading my Bevnaf. Like, you know. I hope you somehow <laughs> were able to transcribe it later and didn't lose your. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. I just don't think I have it on. I've my, definitely on been my in phone. that situation where yeah. like the yeah. marker bleeds through and it just turns into like one mishmash. You stick it in your pocket, and yeah. shreds apart, and you're like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah, like every phone number and translated <laughs> poem I've had has been erased in my pocket. Like, yeah, <laughs> but. So this is a piece, in general I've been working on a, a bunch of poems about whenever I go to Cuba, both my parents are of Cuban descent, my dad was born in Havana, my mom's parents were born in Havana, um, and I'm the first member of the family to go to Cuba since they had to leave. So I've just been working on like a series of poems about that. This is a poem I wrote kind of about like the night before going to Cuba for the first time, and also just like dreams that my dad had had. Um, and A, I like the poem. B, I got the hilarious Bogota story. And C, I write very long poems. So this is the one that actually fits without <laughs> taking over the podcast. But um, it's called uh, Cuba, the first dream you ever had. Pops runs through the sugarcane fields, his father behind him, before dad stops and Abuelo does too. Abuelo machetes a stick of sugarcane. Your father sucks the sweetness straight from the source. The sweetest thing ever tasted. He thinks anything chopped down will taste that sweet. Your father talks about the mystical waters. How every night the sea foams and crashes against the Malacón. The sea reaching out to grab him. Cuba tucked itself inside the conch shell of the earth. Tomorrow you're going into the dream. Will the people hate me? Will the soil beneath my feet quake and create the end of days? Will I eat a papaya that changes my life? Will my father cry? Santo Domingo, in a hostel, your lover in a separate bed on the other side of the room, you want to hold her in the too crowded space where you feel nothing but alone. You've turned the personal fan off to sweat the worry away, to dehydrate your conscience away, to force you to rest. And you wake up two hours before your alarm, watching the sun bring to life all the color of the Dominican Republic as drunk Australians try to pick up young French girls who wait for the Belgium boyfriends who eye the island natives. And they go to buy cigarettes. And the next time the sun sets, you will be in Cuba. And you hope your heart doesn't sink into the blood it pumps, plummeting deep into the sea, lost next to so many of Cuba's treasures. Thank you. Yeah. 
That's that one. <laughs> no, that's that's some. Per- oh, that's I... very personal and uh, rooted in this uh, the dream space. And then you put the the third person in, right? You drop in this third person where you you're putting your the the the, the listener. You you make the listener assume the role of of the of the uh, of the voice of the well of the voice through your through the usage right of the third person, and then your your right yeah. Well, one of the things, and this gets me in trouble in fiction workshop, <laughs> but one of the things I enjoy with the poetry of some of these uh, that I'm working with is in changing POV, forcing the reader to be an active participant in it. So you know. If I'm doing first person, you have to hear how I'm thinking about it. But then if I change to second person, then you become an active participant in the conversation. And then if I change to third person, you know, it's going to give you different elements, you know, as far as detachment goes. And I'm trying to play with that, including also with tenses of what is future, what is past, what is present. Because I want, like, the reader to be thrown into, like, this visceral, like, somewhat, like, mentally violent situation of what it feels like. You know, because it is... Uh, you know, you know, being a first-generation American is its own interesting thing, and especially, you know, Cuba's having its moment right now. You know, there's so many people having, you know, hot takes 15 minutes into it in different ways. <laughs> and, I mean, it's been something that my family's been dealing with, you know, their entire lives, and, you know, I've been dealing with my entire life in a different way. Yeah. And, you know, I've tried writing essays, I've tried writing fiction on it, I've tried writing, you know, journalism on it, and poetry just seems to be the best way to actually translate that emotion and that, that feeling. Yeah. So, I mean, not directly related to your poem but just because I think it's something we've talked about other to other guests with and I'm just always interested to see what what people's take is on it and I don't think we've talked to anyone about this with Cuba is what how is I think it's interesting to see how poetry is looked at in different places how what how is how does poetry kind of seen in Cuba and how is that different from the U.S.? How is that different from, like, South America and Central America? Because I think it's pretty different from that, too, huh? I mean, you know, and I have to speak from, you know, the perspective of somebody who's visited twice, who's obviously not... Yeah, from, I mean, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Your, your perspective. Yeah, yeah. Not, you're not speaking for the whole... No, yeah, 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 please, yeah. My, <laughs> next time I land, they got pitchforks waiting for me. <laughs> this is taking a wrong turn. No, um, I think what's interesting about... This, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I did one podcast no uh i think that what's interesting about you know in general and i, I mean obviously i'm gonna be filled with bias here but what yeah, i love about yeah. like my peoples is you know there's such a rhythm in conversation down there you know and all of this talk and a cadence and a rhythm that seems you know like you know it's important you know you can tell like you know it's I got a poem on Miami where I laugh because, you know, when the Marlins won the World Series, obviously many moons ago, uh, you know, we actually shut down, like, I-75 of pots and pans. And, like, it just became, like, a, a conga line. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, and so, like, I don't think, like, I think if you were to, which is a very long way of saying, I think if you were to record a Cuban talk, you would all of a sudden, like, half the time it just sounds like poetry, accidentally. And, it, you know what I mean? Depending on what your definition of poetry is. So I think it's like, it is like this heralded art. I mean, it's difficult, you know, because, you know, being a poet anywhere is difficult, you know. Yeah. But, like, I think it is this heralded thing where you just have, like, these beautiful pieces of poetry, whether it's being read and they have some interesting uh, poetry festivals down there and literary festivals down there or just, you know, being performed or whatnot. I mean, that just, it, it carries credence. I mean... 
for the second inauguration of Obama, uh, you know, Ricardo Blanco, he's a Cuban poet. Yeah, you know. yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think uh, I think it's heralded down there. I think, like, many things with Cuba, it's a little complicated how it, you know, comes across. But I think it's a, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing, you know. Yeah, we don't have to get into the controversial aspects. Yeah, of that. yeah. No, I, I, I think I just danced around everything I could. Where we yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, like, that, that's as diplomatic as I've ever been on a couch. You know, like, you know, like. <laughs> but yeah. What was that like? What was that? What was that trip like for you? Uh, Cuba or South America? C- Cuba. Cuba. I mean, it's it's very emotional. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things, you know, I can't go there without thinking of my father, you know, being exiled from there, you know, about my parent, my grandparents being exiled from there, yeah. you know, about like, you know, I mean, you go to Key West and you could see Cuba on a clear day, you know, it's close to us yeah, down there. Yeah. So like, you know, it's a very emotional experience. I meet the people and they're extremely friendly, you know, to me and it's always like a pleasure, but it's also like, I get back home and it's like, I need to take a vacation. Like, you know, like... <laughs> And, you know, and I feel a little bad because, you know, I come back here and people, well, I don't know if I feel bad, but I, I come back and people tell me like, you know, hey, can you recommend good bars or whatever? And it's like, man, I just spent like most of my time writing and talking to people on you know, Malacón, the little seawall. Like, I don't, you know, I, I can't tell you what the new bar is. Like, you know, like I just, I honestly have no idea. Like, you know, I, I have no idea what places speak English either. You know, I'm not going around speaking English there. So it's just a... Uh, it's always, every time I go back, I fill at least one composition book, and it's just a really intense, beautiful situation, and I've only met new people, and I'm starting to meet people that I see every time, but it's, you know, it's been a beautiful experience, and a connecting experience, but also just, like, a crazy experience. You know, you could feel, like, you know, parallel life of my family there if things were just a little different one way or the other. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, it's intense, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it sounds like it would be. It yeah. sounds like it would be. <laughs> All right, well, what, what about South America, then, since you mentioned that? Yeah, where else did you track? I don't know. Let's oh, yeah. go down yeah. this line. Where, do, where yeah, else yeah, did you track, that, man? That, that's, uh, so I started last year, right after I applied to all these grad school programs, I had the idea of instead of, like, sitting here and uh, just anxiously checking my email, like if it was a Facebook, uh, <laughs> I decided I would just travel around. Um, and it's a life dream I'd had. Uh, and so I, I went for eight months uh, from Colombia to Argentina, Uruguay, Chile, Peru, Brazil, and then Mexico on the way back home. Nice. Uh, Mexico City, Defe. That's like my exact trip I want to take. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'll do it again. I'll play that one back. Yeah, that <laughs> like, sounds awesome. You know, like, no, um, it was a beautiful experience. I mean, I was mostly visiting places... Um, where my friends were born from, born or raised from, you know, uh, being from Miami. So, you know, like, I went to, like, you know, Bogota and, like, went to, like, the old neighborhoods of my friends. I went to Medellin and did the same. Same with Buenos Aires. I stayed with a friend in San Juan, you know, in Montevideo as well. Like, so... Oh, dude, what a great city. Dude. Yeah, oh, Montevideo's great. It's insane. Like, I love that place. You it's know? just like this little castle down by the sea, man. It really... And it's just... It's like this beautiful, like, cast down by the sea, as you said. And it's also, like, the quietest 1.5 million people you'll ever, like... <laughs> it totally <laughs> is. Like, you know, I turn the corner, and I'm like, am I, like, in, like, a beautiful romantic spot or a horror film? I don't know, but, like, it just gets quiet. It, but it's so beautiful. And La Lambra, like, you know, their version of a Malacón is just so pretty. Like, oh, man, I, I would just... Go. Yeah. Drinking mate <laughs> and rum there was just, like, oof. Oh, see, forget it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to skip my rest of my semester. I'm going straight to the airport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just thought how nice it would be to like sort of follow this, uh, the you know, like sort of like 
you know, I, I, it was so funny you said Mexico on the way back. I, was, I would either go through Oaxaca or come back through, probably Oaxaca, come back through Oaxaca for like a week or like 10 days or something yeah. to kind of like um, be reacclimated to American society through Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, a bizarre concept. No, 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 no. But, but like, but like, but like there's, it's the element is there. Yeah. But yeah, I'm yeah. saying like when I went to Madavideo, the element there was more, it was, it was, it was like the, the American uh, impact on it was minuscule. Yeah. It was more Euro- it was more European, you know, which is like of Definitely. course, of course, because they're all they're all a bunch of Germans and and and, fr- and French or uh, and Spanish and Italians anyway, yeah. like third generation, second generation, you know. So of course, of course, it is, you know. But there was that one aspect of of uh, of like some aspects of U.S. culture were like were like not even there, and even down to like when I went to the shopping mall, there there just there weren't like the standard shoot the, the shops that you would see. Good, that sounds great. No, I know that's why. But did I tell you? Did I did, did I tell you the one when I was walking through the shopping mall and they they made me take my hat off? I was just wearing like a hat, really. And a guy came up to me. He's like, uh uh uh. He's like, do you need to take it off? And I t- I took it off. And later I asked my friend. I was like, what was the deal with like why this guy asked me to take my hat off in the shopping mall? And apparently, like years ago, like just like in the last ten years, there were these gangs that would that would like <laughs> like twenty twenty guys would. Twenty guys. No, no. It happened. They said it happened there in Montevideo, huh. where there was these gangs, and they would all come into the shopping malls with their hats on and and do rags, and they were just pillage. They would just like oh. shoplift and run, run in, grab shit, and run out. This is like an old school. <laughs> she said it was because of gangs, but you think well, you think it was like just a super old well, school, know, I mean, like proper thing. Well, you don't you don't love, you don't wear like, a hat where yeah, women and children type thing. You don't wear a hat indoors and. <laughs> And that's that's a thing, right? And part of that's a religious thing. You know, it's funny. Like we have a security guard at school now, and he 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 busts the kids on that all the time, and they get so pissed off. And I was like, y'all don't understand. I was like, that's like when I was a kid in New Orleans, that was always a thing because yeah. it's a Catholic town, and the idea was that's insulting to God if you're hiding your head when you're indoors. Like you, that's like it's like you don't go into a church with the hat on. You don't right. go anywhere indoors with the hat. Well, that's for outside, right? And it's a cultural well, thing. So I took my hat off. I mean, yeah, I understand. <laughs> so I took my hat off, and then I looked around. Then I then I continued to walk around the mall, right? And I and I didn't see a single person wearing a hat, except like three like sixteen year old kids, yeah, who had just walked in, and 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 uh, and uh, also nobody was wearing shorts. <laughs> well, that's also good. Yeah, nobody was wearing shorts and nobody was wearing a hat. My favorite part of the accessories of Montevideo for me was that it was so excessive, the gourds of mate. Oh, oh. I went from Buenos Aires and people would be very communal sharing all theirs. And then it was just funny to me because in Montevideo, everybody had their own. And so like, I remember like I was going to change money, I think, after after the bus ride from Colonia to Montevideo. I was going to change money and like every teller has like their own. And then I remember they call the manager, and the manager just turns around and presents, and he's got two. And I'm like, well, how many, like, gourds, like, you know, like, nobody's sharing you. Like, everybody just has their own gourd. Like, once, yeah. like, you get to, like, 18, they gift you one or something. <laughs> I was just like, this is great. This is great. Like, I, I'm all about this. I was so caffeinated in that for, town. For, for me, like, the fa- the, for me, like, the fashion moment would be where I would go to Madavideo, and I would... 
I would street photograph two things. One, the amazing graffiti there. I mean, they it's encouraged by the artists there, and they spend time on these pieces, mm-hmm. and they're elaborate. You know, yeah. there's some cool graffiti there. But but I would I would photograph street photograph businessmen holding their mate. Oh, totally! <laughs> it's so it was so great. It's, it's almost like a fashion thing, like icon thing, because I like just see these like businessmen like dressed to the nines and then like it was cold so there'd be like a scarf and then there would be like the mate and they would yeah. be holding the mate like their thermos in one arm yeah. like traped over like a totally. baby and then their mate in the other arm yeah and then like and then like their whatever if they had a bag most of them didn't but like there was just a look there was it was it's a look man was, i like it it's a good look and it's so funny because like I often saw, and I never saw this in Argentina or anywhere else, but I often saw in Montevideo that they would actually have, like, these little, like, briefcases for it. And it was, like, the setup of, like, the thermos, the bombillo, the gourd, and, like, you know, like, you were just ready. Like, you, they would, like, open it up, and it was, like, you know, Pulp Fiction gold glowing. And, you know, like, it's just, like, all right, like, let's party, man. Like, you know, like, I mean, they love, like, I love mate. Like, I've been drinking mate for a while. But, like, it was funny. I never realized. I knew there was differences in Miami because I have friends from Uruguay and Argentina. But, like, to then go from one place to the other and notice how big the differences are. And the differences in Argentina are big as is. But, like, then to notice how big yeah, it is yeah. from Buenos Aires to, to Montevideo was just like, whoa. Like, this yeah. is awesome. That's the trip. I did that trip, too, where I, I yeah. flew in Buenos Aires, stayed a day, and then, and then the took, the, took the ferry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. All right, well, to pivot back to poetry. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot. About that. <laughs> that's why. That's why. That's why. That's why. There's two. That's why there's two of us here. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good sidetrack, but let's pivot back to poetry. We're talking about uh, we're talking about differences there. Let's talk about a different kind of difference that maybe you notice. Different... So, so if you're gonna talk about, and maybe we're getting a little linguistics here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hit me. <laughs> differences between English language poetry and Spanish language poetry. Are there some some things we can say about that or things we can notice about that? I mean, it's easy to rhyme in Spanish. No, uh, I think it's... Uh, <laughs> no, nah, I mean, you know, with every language you get a different cadence and rhythm that comes with it. Absolutely. And then you also have that in accents. And I mean, it was really obvious for me going to like let's say even just brazil like where the portuguese accent is so different and when you read it they actually read similar there's like a lot of similarities linguistically to how they're written um but then you just hear how people read and speak and also like oh man this is a completely different language and in spanish like i'm really just like baffled at how beautiful it is and yet it could still translate well like you know like People, you know, people, there's, you know, arguments of whether Borges wrote to accommodate English or not, but, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're Borges or not, like, every, like I feel like so many, if you have a good translator, so much Spanish just reads beautiful in English, too, and it's just amazing to me. So, like, I don't know if I would call it a difference, yeah, like, because there's differences in rhythms, but, like, you know, you, you read these, like, Shakespeare readers of, like, English-Spanish books, like how every Neruda book is, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and you read, like, the Spanish and English, and you're like... Neruda's like would be a top ten poet in English, like without even trying to write yeah, in English, yeah, you know, yeah. like you know, without even going into how beautiful he is in Spanish, which is like upsettingly good, you know, like. Well, I've certainly seen uh, <laughs> some bad Neruda translations. Oh well, yeah, no, I mean, look, yeah, 
I'm not saying across the board. No, there's some people who their licenses should be taken away translation-wise. Yeah, but you know, um, you should have to re- you know renew it every two years. A translator's license. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think it was it was really beautiful going down there and seeing all the different cultural elements of like poets. Like, for yeah. instance, like the Colombian poets doing La Violencia over there versus like how the poets would write. They're the different dictatorships in both Argentina and Uruguay. Like, you can see how they all would go to different writers in different forms and different rhythms, but how it always would come back to these ideas of, like, just, like, expression, you know. Is that, is that, I guess this is a weird question, but is that a cultural difference or is that a language difference or some combination of both? Oh, I think it's a combination of all sorts. I mean, you know, you're throwing everything into a blunder and seeing what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And weirdly enough, it keeps turning out to be poetry. You know, but like, I think, you know, you're having one of those things where, you know, you just like, I think it's an easy way to express yourself and get stuck in someone's, you know, head and really connect with somebody is through like a beautiful line of poetry. Yeah, absolutely. Now it's going to come out differently, you know. I mean, Neruda's going to write very different than Marquez and, you know, very different than Yorsa. But like, you know... Even if, you know, you get every poet, you know, Silva and Colombia or whatever, and compare it to Neruda, like, you're noticing that these are people who were really heralded during times of strife that, you know, just had a way of connecting with the people in stanzas. And that's just amazingly efficient. You know, like, you know, more people are going to quote, you know, Silva, Neruda, Yorsa, Marquez, and they're going to quote the politicians of that time. And I think that's a beautiful power of poetry right there. Absolutely, the written word yeah. in general. So yeah, so I don't know, man, you, you got me hungry for travel and poetry. I, I think the thing that you mentioned about movement and like uh, filling up this book and being in Cuba and like writing this whole giant book, I feel inspired by travel more than anything. Yeah. When I'm on a train and I'm going across a new landscape or I'm on that uh, that uh, that bus from Colonia or the, <laughs> or, or, the, or the ferry from Buenos Aires to Colonia. Beautiful. Yeah. It's like, it's just, there's nothing like it, you yeah. know, in a certain way. And uh, for me, being in countries... Not not really, not speaking Spanish. <laughs> I love like, with you know, seventy two hours to to four, you know five days or four or five days or something, and you just like look you like disassociative because I can't read shit. <laughs> Where I, and then and then all of a sudden you start to create meanings and there's all this like great inspiration there, you know. And you're even talking about crossing cultures. Yeah. How there's reinterpretations of the Bambija. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, well, and that's the, what I love about traveling is even having access of being able to communicate in Spanish. Like, I, you know, I still, everything is still new for me every day. So and there's still, like, cultural elements I'm not going to understand. I mean, I could have all the friends in the world from Argentina, Colombia, wherever, and I'm still, by being there, it's going to be a different experience and a different thing, and I'm, so I'm still learning from it. Like, it's nice to be fully an alien, even when you're kind of an alien every day anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, like, it's like... It's, you know, in a town like New Orleans, everything, you know, there's going to be new things all the time. But it's also great, like, to be like, okay, just completely change your surroundings and just see what it does to you. And, yeah. then, you know, and this is maybe the only time I'm ever going to compare Montevideo to Fairhope. But, I mean, that was, I think, the beauty of that conference, where it was, like, something new for two days to write. And I just got to completely experience something new. I think you know? Fairhope is validly... <laughs> An alien experience. <laughs> it, it was new for me. I think halfway through, and I don't, I haven't actually looked this up. Halfway through, somebody told me that's where they filmed Get Out, and that was like, an oh no, I was like, I was like mid sip of rum when they told me that. I was like, you know, I'll make this walk home a little more interesting. 
<laughs> the other good thing about traveling in South America is when you live in New Orleans is you tell everyone you live in New Orleans and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, yeah. you're one of us. Well, totally. Like, you know, I stayed with uh, a good writer friend I met on the trip in Montevideo and, you know, he was talking about, yeah, I really want to go there. And I was like, I love the idea of being able to reciprocate that and Absolutely. then like, do the same thing back, you know. And, you know, that that's going to happen. I stayed with, you know, people in Bogota and San Juan, you know, and, like, I reciprocated with my good friend in San Juan. He came here right after I got back. And, like, it's always nice being able to, like, do those things that, you know, you know, it's one of the few cities, I think, in the States that people really want to go to. But it's also one of the cities where people want to go to, but they have very little idea. Like, you know, like, New York, you see every day in movies. LA, you see every day in movies. You know, like, you have ideas. And New Orleans, it's like, there's, like, this... Well, I think people have ideas, but it's a really limited idea. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a really limited idea. And and, and they kind of know it's limited. Yeah, but you also yeah. have yeah. access that, like, you know, if you were to visit me in Miami, like, there's things I love about Miami. I was born and raised in Miami, but I also don't have access to everything you could think of. Sure, like, sure. In New Orleans, yeah. access is pretty loose for those of us who yeah. lived here a while. True. Even as a transplant, but, you know, yeah. I've been here eight years. Like, you know, you have access. Yeah. Well, cool. That was, yeah. that, uh, well, yeah, thanks that for was coming great, on. Chris. Do you have anything you want to plug or anything you want to? Any readings coming up, or we got Poetry Fest? But other than that, are you do are you on a panel? Are you do anything for Poetry Fest? Yeah, I'm on a panel for Poetry Fest. Uh, you what, know, what pan, what's your panel? Uh, it's Everyday Muses. It's going to be a panel. Uh, we're each bringing in. Uh, I, I think the term we used was an artifact that has inspired us, and then the work that we've written about said artifact. So that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. We have, uh, including myself, we have five very different poets. So I think we're going to have five very different experiences, and it'll be good. We're all going to like do a quick reading, do a quick presentation, and then just have a conversation about it afterwards. And I'm excited. I'm on the panel. I think I'm going to learn something. So I'm excited for it. Cool. You know. Great. Yeah. Any readings coming up or anything? Oof. I, I told myself while the semester was going, I was just going to focus on, on, on the writing itself. Smart. I, I assume in the summer I'm going to be reading a cool. lot. I am. I think it just got public. I am going to be on a panel on May 12th for Independent Bookstore Day uh, with Tubby and Coos. And oh, okay. It's, nice. Yeah, yeah so I think uh, Candice will be moderating it, and it'll be me and uh, uh, Maurice Ruffins. So, cool. Yeah, we'll be having nice. a discussion on uh, there, and... Other than that, I, I, I am the new co-editor for Antenna Gallery's uh, blog, Room 220. Nice. So, oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Cool. So Very I'll cool. be... That's good news. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy about it. We, uh, we're trying stuff out, uh, and yeah, I'll be partly in charge of that, too. So it's been, it's been good. It's been productive returning from Montevideo. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us Yeah, thanks us for today. coming on, man. Uh, yeah. was, Very cool. Nice. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for the mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you.